The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. This morning, I'm going to talk about, we have another series out there called Training Children, and see if this doesn't ring a bell, Training Children That Trump the World. Ring any bells? Our president now is Donald Trump, and that's as political as I'm going to get this morning. Is that okay? We need to pray for our president. He's facing a lot of, you know, wild things are going on, and uh, we do need to pray for him. But Trump is not just a a man's name, but the word Trump has significance. Uh, It's also a playing card term. And if you've ever played poker, and I'm sure some in here have, don't raise your hands up, but... uh, uh, you can, it, it, when you're playing cards, you can like, let's say, you have a, a really good hand. Like say you have three kings. How many know that's a good hand in poker? But do you know that hand can be trumped with three aces? Or in other words, it looks like things are, are really going well for your opponent, but you come up with three aces and you trumped what he was going to do and you win. And uh, let me give you a definition for trump too. It means to get the better of someone with a hidden resource. Let me say that again. To get the better of someone with a hidden resource. When you think about it, what God did for humanity when Jesus came, which we celebrated this morning in communion, really was God playing the ultimate trump card of all time. Now, I'll show you this in the Bible. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and look at verse 7. And this is Paul preaching. 1 Corinthians 2, 7. I'm going to read it from the New King James And uh, it says this, but we speak the wisdom of God, that's the gospel, it's the wisdom of God, in a mystery. It's the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Do you know in the mind of God, and with God there is no time. You know God lives in time. We live in time, we can't really understand that. But with God there is no time. And the Bible said that Jesus was the Lamb crucified from the foundation of the world. So even before man sinned, God was ahead of us in time. And Jesus was crucified. There came a time which that all came to pass. But uh, this is talking about the gospel. Look at verse 8. Which none of the rulers of this age, that's talking about the devil, none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. I want you to think about that for a minute. Here's the devil. He's got Jesus on the cross. And not only now does he have humanity, this is in his mind, he's got all of humanity, all men and women that are born, this curse comes on us, all because of the sin of Adam. And all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And now the devil not only has humanity, but he's got the Son of God on the cross. There was a party going on in hell. The devil's jumping up and down thinking he has won. And all of a sudden, There came a moment of time. It's the biggest oh no moment in history. When the devil looked, Jesus came back from the dead and he went, oh no. Man, I want to see that on video when I get to heaven. The look on his face. Because what Jesus did trumped the plan of the devil in the world. And see what happens to us is, we can say it this way. When we play the Jesus card, No matter what kind of trouble you've been in, no matter what your sin is, no matter how bad you think you are today, no matter what your past, you can play the Jesus card, and all that is washed away by the blood of Jesus. You ought to clap your hands. That was good preaching. Hallelujah. 
See, we play the Jesus card. We were destined to go to hell, but we don't have to go there anymore. When you believe that, your heart has changed, and now your destiny is no longer hell. You're going to heaven to be with Jesus forever and ever and ever eternity. But not only does the Jesus card work to go to heaven, but you can play the Jesus card against things that come against you in life. If you're experiencing pain or some kind of sickness, maybe very serious in your body today, do you know one of the things Jesus did was healed when he came on the earth? But that didn't pass away. The healing power of God is still alive today. And you can play the Jesus card. First Peter 2.24, which says, by his stripes, we were healed. You can play that card and you can be healed of whatever sickness you're facing today. You can play the Jesus card. And when uh, lack and things come against your money, you can play the Jesus card. Get in God's plan and God will bless you. And he can do, he can do amazing things in your finances. He can restore your mind. Because see, this is all, all of us have some kind of groove that got in our mind because of our sin and the things we did wrong. But God wants to renew your mind. Jesus came and gave us his word so our mind could be renewed. And you can really get past the past. You can get over it and go on and live a life free mentally with the peace of God in your mind when you play the Jesus card. But another, another very important thing in our life that we have to play the Jesus card about is to have a redeemed marriage and then train kids that will serve God in the world. God wants us to train our kids and, to, and the next generation as parents, but also as the church. We all need a, a vision of this, and we can trump what the devil, what the enemy wants to do in our kids. I'm not saying when I say that we'll raise perfect kids. I'm not saying you raise kids that will never have a problem in life because your kids see are human beings just like you are. And they will face things in life and they'll face decisions and they won't always make the right one. But when you put the things of God in your kids, when they're young, ideally, but even now there's hope. Even if your kids are grown and they're older and they're not serving God, you can use this hidden wisdom, the cross and the resurrection of what Jesus did and put these things in our, in our children and they can overcome what the world brings against us. This is for the church, but it's also for us as parents. Now, I want you to turn to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Over in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I want to read a portion of Scripture that uh, goes back to ancient Jewish times. And this is a principle that the Jews began to live by when, they get, when the Ten Commandments came in the days of Moses. In fact, this is written by Moses. And... Uh, and this is a portion of Scripture we're going to read this morning is to a Jewish person that is serving God today is the most central Scripture in their life. It's called the Shema. Everybody say Shema. The Shema. And uh, a, a practicing Jew lives by this Scripture. In fact, when they get up in the morning, they quote this Scripture that we're about to read over their day. They want this to be the first thing out of their mouth when they begin their day. When they go to bed at night, these are the last words out of their mouth to uh, set the course so when they go to sleep, if they pass away in their sleep, this will be the last thing that they said because it is so important and central to their life. Now, we are not Jews, right? We're Christians. We have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. But this still speaks to us because it's the Word of God and gives us principles to live a successful life. So look in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Let's begin reading in verse 4. And it gives really the priorities of your life and how you are to live your life on a daily basis. You ready? Here we go. 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. How many know there's only one God? Other religions have multiple gods and even thousands and millions of gods, but we believe there's only one God. There's one Lord. And it goes on to say, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So here's the first thing we are to do in life. We are to recognize that there is a God. His name is Jesus. The Father, Jesus, is the only way to the Father and the Holy Spirit, triune God, but we are to love him with our heart, our, uh, with, our str- with our heart, with our soul, and with our strength. And that's a picture of every part of your being, the threefold man. Your heart is your spirit, the part of you on the inside that's invisible, but the part of you that has fellowship and connection with God after you get born again. If you're not born again, your spirit is dead. But when you're born again, you don't just get a revived spirit. You get a brand new spirit alive unto God. That's very good news. So we're to love God with our spirit. And then it says we're to love God with our soul. That's your mind. That's your thinker. That's your will, your emotions, and your decider. We're to uh, love God mentally with our thoughts. And then we're to love him with our strength. That's a picture of your body. That's the physical part of you, the part that we see this morning. So you're supposed to love God with your whole spirit, soul, and body. See, God doesn't want a lot from you. He just wants everything. Well, God's kind of selfish, Brother Ken. No, no, here's the deal. God wants you. He wants to be so involved intimately in every area of your life, not to do you bad, to do you good. He wants to bless you. The more your life is infused with God, the more blessed you're going to be in life. And how many do like blessed lives? Right? So that's the first priority of life, to love God with all of your heart. And then here's the next one. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. And now the next thing we do is we begin to integrate the Word of God into our life. We begin to meditate on the Word of God, read the Word of God. How many know you're supposed to read the Bible? We don't just do this on Sunday. But do you know you? it's good to have a Bible reading plan. It's good to, to dig into the Word of God on an ongoing basis. And we're to put the Word of God in us, but then not just read it, but practice it. Be a, what the, the book of James calls a doer of the Word. In other words, when you read something in the Bible, you say, okay, I'm reading that. Now I'm going to be a doer of that. For instance, if you really want to be blessed in life, and we just had a series on this called The Blessed Life, one of the things you got to get is you got to get in God's plan of financial blessing. And that all begins with tithing. Everybody say tithing which is giving 10% of your income. Why does God uh, require that of you? Well, ask you to do that. Because when you do that, then you are, 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 God is able to be involved in your money. And a lot of people don't like that because they think that's taking away from them. Actually, God wants you to honor him with that so he can honor you back in a way that only he can. can. God can do more with the 90% than he can with the, or you can do more with giving uh, 10% and living on the 90 than you could with the 100 because the blessing of God will be upon it. So we love God with our entire being. We begin to act on his word and live by faith. And then this is the next thing. This is very interesting. Verse 7. And you shall teach them, talking about the word of God, diligently to your children. Everybody say diligently. Notice it says diligently, not passively, not if I have time. Not, you know, we're really busy in life and there's a lot of things to do and maybe I can work in maybe every once in a while talking to my kids about God or, no, 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 we're to make this a big part of our life. Now, this is important if you want to be blessed. If a church is going to be blessed, 
This is very, very important. And that is, we have people that love God, are living by His Word, and then seeing the importance of passing this down to the next generation. Let me just say this. Trudy and I travel all the time. There's a lot of different churches out there. Probably some of you have been to some of them. All kinds of different visions. And here's what I've learned about what I'm talking about this morning. This is probably the most underestimated truth in the body of Christ. Because I think people just think it's little kids, and it's kind of like we put them in the nursery, and we got a place for them, but that's kind of like babysitting. But I want you to know that's not what it's designed to be. God wants to get into the lives of a person when they're very, very little. And, and children's ministry is not babysitting, it is ministry. What's going on in these classrooms this morning, because I know the commitment they've made to this, they're not just watching over your kids and protecting them, although they are doing that. And we do believe in protecting children. But we are putting the things of God into these little kids that are here this morning. And to God, it's a very important thing. Because look at the next verses. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. This is talking about purposely talking about God to your kids. You know, this week, uh, Trudy and I kept our three grandkids, Josh and Sarah's kids. And it's an exciting thing when you get as old as us to keep three little kids that are young. They're eight, six, and three. And I'm telling you what, they don't look like it, but they are all packed with dynamite on the inside. Explosive capability. You know, we got back to our apartment yesterday after keeping them all week, and we collapsed exhausted for the rest of the afternoon. Because <laughs> it's, it's work to keep little kids. But see, one of the things we do, as is what I was going to say, is we get up in the morning, and I'm driving them to school, and they have confessions that they say. And I, and I say, okay, guys. Gus, you go first. Give me your confession. And Gus rips off these words, and it's the Word of God. It's a confession that his mom and dad taught him. And then Bo, it was her turn next, and she ripped off her confession. And I just thought I'm so proud of my kids. They're putting the Word of God in their kids, and they're integrating it into them in the morning and at night and on an ongoing basis. They see the importance of prioritizing God in their family. And that's what God's talking about here. Keep reading. You shall write them on the doorposts. Excuse me, verse 8. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Verse 9. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, we've been blessed to go to Israel a couple of times. It's a very interesting place to go. I, I encourage every Christian to go to Israel. In fact, I know a new song is talked about in the future. We're going to ta- have an Israel trip, and I'm excited about that. But um, one of the things that we, we learned when we were in the country is... Uh, we, we, everywhere we went, hotels, restaurants, uh, even in that we went to the Jewish Knesset, which is like our, our Congress and, and their political headquarters. And they have these little cylinders that are over the doorposts. Now, this is talking about writing this on the doorposts of your house. In fact, I've got one that I brought with me this morning. It may be tough to see. But this is a little cylinder, just a few inches long. The end comes off. And... Uh, And they put these on the doorposts of all the houses at a right angle. And they take this scripture that I'm reading to you this morning, and they make a little scroll out of it and put this on the doorpost to fulfill what God told them to do, write it on the doorposts. And then practicing Jews will walk through the door. I've seen them do this and reach up on the doorpost and kiss their hand and touch the mezuzah, declaring that they're honoring God to act on the scripture. So this is a big deal to them, right? 
It says, you write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Verse 10, now look at this. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you didn't build. Now I want you to zero in on this. This is what God's saying. First of all, you love God, you honor God, you get saved, you begin to serve God, you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you begin to then act on His Word, and then you begin to put this into your kids. As as parents, as a church, we make a big deal out of this. And then look what God will do. Because see, here's the great thing about God. When you do what He says, He will do something for you. Because God's a blesser. He only wants to do you good. He doesn't want to take anything away from your life. He wants to increase your life. Hallelujah. And look what he wants to do. He wants to give you uh, uh, large and beautiful cities which you didn't build, houses full of all good things which you didn't feel. Wow, God wants to bless you with houses. We just got blessed with a new house. In fact, we've been living in an apartment for 10 months since we got here, but now we're getting ready. We bought a house, and we're excited we're going to be moving in a house because we moved from a big house to a little apartment. And it's been kind of crazy. We've got all this stuff in storage. But, but we followed God, and we honored Him. And I want you to know, we got a deal with our house, folks. i got to brag a little bit. It's so cool because, you know, uh, the things we had on our prayer list, like a great big closet that we can put our suitcases out in. And, and uh, because we travel so much, it's just nice to be able to lay your suitcase out. Our closet is so big, you could live in my closet, man. It's bigger than my apartment, we can lay our suitcases out. And, and you know what? I was thinking, it, wouldn't it be cool? In fact, I was talking to your pastor one day, my son. I said, Josh, you know what would really be cool if I could find a place that had some water on it? And he told me this. He said, Dad, you know, it's going to be hard to do in Oklahoma City because, you know, I don't have a lot of lakes around here. And I said, well, okay. Well, we walk, I walk in this house. We were looking at it the first time. And I walked, found the closet first. Then I walked into the bedroom, wood floors, beautiful. And then I looked out our bedroom window, and there's a creek behind it. In fact, we named it this weekend. It's called Pawpaw River. That's what my grandkids call it. There's water behind my house. I got blessed. In fact, the value of that home, uh, I'll just say it this way. We, we gained $30,000 when we signed the papers last, last week because of the appraisal. See, God wants to do great things for you when you follow him and honor him. And keep on reading. He'll give you houses full of good things. He'll give you uh, hewn-out wells you didn't dig vineyards and olive trees which you didn't plant when you have eaten and you are full this is talking about living in the land of promise that doesn't mean you won't have to you know have battles i'm not telling you everything will just run smooth you know you'll have battles in this life the promised land which this is talking about that the children of israel were going into had giants on it some people have thought that the promised land is a picture of heaven no that's not there's no giants in heaven darling we won't have to fight giants in heaven. The battles will be done when you get to heaven. You're going to be cruising. It's here on this earth you'll have battles. That's why you've got to get the Word of God in you, because when battles come, you can stand against it. But on the other hand, in the middle of the battle, God wants to give you a land of promise where there's blessing when you love Him, when you act on His Word. And then we put this into our kids as parents and as the church. Every church member needs a vision for young people. Even if you don't have kids, even if you don't have grandkids, we all need to see this. That's why I'm preaching on it this morning. We all, see, even if you don't have kids, there are kids running around this church all the time. Did you know that? Let me give you a revelation. When you see them, be nice to them. Yeah. 
It's part of the church of the future. You know, my early days in ministry, and some of you may know this, I was on a kind of different, I was on a Christian kids TV show that was a cowboy show called the Gospel Bill Show back in the 80s. Anybody ever heard of that? Let me see. Oh, my, really? A lot of you have. You know, we did that program as a long story. I, I worked with Willie George in Tulsa as a part of that, as part of Church on the Move. Uh, I led worship there, but uh, that, that came secondly. But we were children's ministry. And, uh, you know, that, that program went all over America, and I didn't see this happening. But now everywhere we travel, it, everywhere, anywhere. Last weekend I was in uh, Indiana. I was in Oregon a couple of weeks ago. We were in Boston the next weekend. We, we go everywhere. Every church I go into, somebody walks up to me and says, you were Nicodemus. That was my character on the Gospel Bill Show. And sometimes they'll say, I got saved watching that program. Sometimes they get old, big old tears in their eyes. Wow, that's, that changed my life. You know, I'm serving God today because of that program. See, here's the revelation about little kids. You ready? They all grow up and turn into real people. You better be nice to them. You may be working for them one of these days because you can't tell what's in them. But we have a responsibility. See, when I was younger, I didn't see that. I was just in the work of it, and I knew it was good, good thing we were doing, and, and, uh, but, but I didn't see the import. And, and, the, and, you know, honestly, we touch millions of little kids' lives that are now grown. And, and this church is not just all about this group of adults. But it's also about the next generation, our, chi- our children and our teenagers. And uh, so let me give you four things that we all need to understand if we're going to do this. Four points this morning, right? You ready? i got to be quick, so, so take these down quickly. Number one, we need to lead them to Christ when they were little. Children can begin a relationship with God when they're little. Mark chapter 10, verse 13. Then they brought little children to him, that's talking about Jesus, that he might touch them. Jesus wants to touch kids when they're little. That doesn't mean they'll grow up and be mature. Doesn't mean that when they get saved and we lead them to Christ when they're little, then they'll just, you know, grow up and, 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 and do better in life. No, they're little kids. Doesn't mean they'll want to go now clean up their room and make their bed up because they got saved. No. They're still in the growth stages of life. They still got to grow up. In fact, I believe that probably every human being after we grow up, as we grow up, you're going to have some kind of deal that you're going to have to deal with that you miss it really, really bad in life. Because, see, here's the thing. Every human being has a weakness, and the enemy wants to come at you somehow. Mine was alcoholism. When I grew up with a dad that was an alcoholic, good man in a lot of ways, but he had a drinking problem. And it affected his life. Growing up, I, I said to myself, I'll never do that to my kids. I would never, I'll never do that. I hated that. And then when I was about 17 years old, I took my first drink. And by the time I'm 19, Trudy and I married. When I was 19, she was 17. We were very young. But I was drinking pretty much on a daily basis. I was going down the road doing something I hated. And everybody has something. Jesus came and delivered me from that. Jesus can deliver you. He's the only one that can deliver you, right? But you know what was a lot of the foundation that brought me back? It's what I learned when my mama and my grandma took me to church when I was a little kid. And my grandma reading to me when I was a little bitty kid from her big coffee table Bible put something in me that even though I got away from it, I came back. So children need to, they can meet Jesus when they're young. Number two, We need to teach our kids how to live by faith. 
We need to practically walk them through the steps of faith. Now, let me tell you a little story to illustrate that, that kids can get their prayers answered. They can begin to walk with God by faith. Faith is very important in life. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? Now, when Josh, my son, who is your pastor, he's not here today. I'm going to tell a story on him, all right? When he was little, he was a pretty good athlete. You know, like 11 or 12, he played Little League Baseball, and and he had a good arm, and he could make the throw. He played third base. He could make that long throw to first. You guys that understand baseball know what that's like. Uh, he's a good hitter. He's quick. He's fast. Good little basketball player. But I say that because he was little. In fact, he was always the littlest guy in his class, and he didn't like it. He hated it. All of his buddies were all taller than him. And uh, one day he comes to me, and I think he was 13, and he says, uh, Dad, I found this scripture. He said, Dad, the, the scripture says that Jesus grew, Luke chapter 2, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. Dad, does stature mean that he grew tall? And I said, well, I think so. And he said, Dad, let me ask you something. Can I believe God to grow? And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, could I believe God to grow to be six feet tall? And I said, let me get back to you on that. Because, see, you need, listen, if you're going to tell your kids something, you need a scripture for it. Find it in the Bible. So I, I looked at that scripture, and I studied that word out. You can do it yourself. I, I looked at it in the Greek, and it means physical growth. Did you know it's a, isn't it amazing that God, the creator of the universe, downsized to become a little baby and went through all the pains of growing up? Why did he do that? So he could totally identify with everything we go through. Isn't that awesome? So it said, you know, physical growth. And then, while I'm thinking about that, the Lord spoke this scripture to me. I really believe he did. And here's what it is. He said this to me. He said, uh, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. All things. Isn't that an awesome scripture? I mean, God just took the lid off. If you can believe. Everybody say if. See, that's the kicker. If you can believe it, all things are possible. What? That, could that mean healing from cancer? Yes. Could that mean God getting you to a place of financial blessing? Yes. Whatever you can believe for can happen. So I go to Josh. I said, okay, son, here's the deal. I told him what, what I felt like God was telling me. I said, now, I'm going to agree w- with you in prayer because I believe in agreement. But I said, here's the deal, son. I can't do this for you. You're going to have to work a process. He said, what do I do, Dad? I said, well, you need to write that scripture down, put it on your bathroom mirror. When you get up, get up in the morning, look at it and pray it over your day. And thank God for it. Say, thank you, Lord, that I'm growing. I'm going to be six feet tall in Jesus' name. I'm believing for that. I said, maybe in the daytime, think about that scripture. Let that scripture get on the inside of you. When you go to bed at night, speak that scripture over your uh, day as you go to, uh, go to bed. He said, okay, Dad, I'm going to do it. So I watched him, and he, put, he wrote it down, put it on his bathroom mirror. And this is before phones or anything like that. So, but he began to work a process. And uh, so a month passes, two months passes, three months. But from the summer of his ninth grade year to the next summer of his 10th grade year, he grew. He grew nine inches in 12 months. Today he is six feet one. And I'm not. What I'm telling you is he didn't get that because he's just genetically, okay? He worked a process. Kids can learn to live by faith. Teach your kids a process of faith. Number three, monitor and observe them more than you think you should. Let me say that again. Monitor and observe them 
more than you think you should. You know, kids, as they grow up, they become teenagers. They kind of begin to change mentally. You know that. They begin to kind of push, push you back as parents, push away a little bit, act like they don't really want you in their life anymore, and they're going through mental growth, physical growth. Man, it's crazy what you go through as a teenager. And you don't get, allow yourself to become disconnected from them. Watch over them. You know, when my kids were younger, this wasn't so prevalent. But now, the phones and the computers, you need to know everything that's going on on your children's devices. They are your children living in your house. You have the right to do that. I'm not talking about being mean, but you have the right to go check their history on their phone. In fact, if you have young teenagers, I encourage you to confiscate their phone after 10 o'clock at night. It's not a bad thing, right? Uh you know, I am not a teenager anymore, but do you know I'm accountable on my devices? And uh, like my iPad, my wife Trudy has permission anytime she wants to, to look at my history, to know, know what I'm doing uh, on my phone. Uh, on our TV, we have cable TV, but there's a code on it. And if it's PG-13, you have to put in a code to watch any movies or anything like that. I don't know what the code is, only she does. Why am I doing that? Do I have a problem? No, I'm a human being, and I still have flesh. I could, and that's the way we are. No matter how saved you are, you still have flesh that you have to deal with. But I want her to feel comfortable and that I'm accountable to her, and that's very important. And your kids need to be accountable. Listen, this, this, I'm not talking about being mean. I'm talking about this is your house. They have the privilege to, to live there. From time to time, when my kids, even when they were younger, they would talk back to their mama. It's called SAS in Texas, where we came from. They say, Mom, I sit them down. I say, you're not going to talk to your mother that way. You have the privilege to live in this home. This is our house. Understand that? And we love you with all of our heart. We brought you into this world, but we can take you out. And listen, if you have a problem, you can't ob- uh, abide by the rules, there's the door right there. You know, you can go out and try to live in the world on your own. And that may sound a little tough for a five-year-old, but you've got to be sh- strong. You got to monitor your kids. Know their phone. Check out their phone. Know their friends. Snoop around their room. Know what's going on in their lives. When my daughter was 16, we bought her a car. 16. But I knew as a parent, I couldn't just let Brooke take that car and do anything she wanted to with it. I knew as a parent, I have to monitor her, monitor her car activity. So it's like this because she's this cute little blonde like her mama. And uh, so where are you going to go in your car, Brooke? Uh, say she's going to a movie with her friends. We want to know who you're going with, what time's the movie start, Where? what is the movie, where is it, uh, what time is it over. And we did this a couple of times, not every time, but a couple of times. We drove to the theater, drove around the parking lot, found her car, got a sticky note, and wrote on it, so glad you're doing what you told us. Love you, Mom and Dad. <laughs> so when Brooke comes out, she goes, oh, Mom and Dad were here. Wow. Mom and Dad just, they just show up. Mom and dad are kind of like God. They know everything. They, they're, <laughs> that's okay. We monitor and observe our kids, right? And then number four, and I'll close with this. No matter where you are with this today, no matter what you're facing with your children, no matter how young, how old, never give up on them. Never give up. It's never over, right? It's never over with your kids. You may be thinking, well, Brother Ken, I did a lot of those stuff those things that my kids aren't serving God today, but it's not over yet. And your prayers and your faith for them from the time they are born in your life are so important to them fulfilling 
their place in life, their destiny in life. You know, uh, I'll, I'll close with this story. I have a friend named Willie George who I worked with all those years, Gospel Bill, pastor's church on the move now. And uh, when he was young, back in the 70s, he took a trip to, uh, from Tulsa to Missouri. He's driving back after preaching on a Sunday morning. He's going through Carthage, Missouri. And as he's driving, he's praying and talking to the Lord. And he said, I begin to hear in my spirit. How many know you have ears in your spirit? Not here, but you can hear from God here. And he said, I, I just begin to hear my great-grandmother's voice. His great-grandmother had lived in Carthage, Missouri. Is he driving through? He said, I heard my great-grandmother praying. And I heard her saying, I pray that all my children might be saved. I pray that all my, my children might be saved. Now, his great-grandmother's in heaven now. She's gone. But her prayers were still alive. Do you know your prayers never die? You know, when you pray, God, the Bible says, takes those prayers and puts them in a bottle and stores them. And they live and they speak forever. And he began to hear that. And he remembered he still had a great uncle that lived there, her son. And he hadn't seen him since he was a little kid. So he thought, I'm going to go look him up. So he went, stopped and went to a phone booth. Anybody remember phone booths? Phone booth. Looked him up for phones, cell phones. And he, he finds his address. He drives over and he knocks on the door. And nobody comes. So he thought, well, goes to the back door. Thought maybe they're in the back of the house. Knocks, nobody comes. He said, I was about to leave. And he thought, well, I'm not going to leave because I believe God sent me here. And so he went back to the front door the second time. And he knocks and he hears some rustling in the house. And a little old lady opens the door, looks at him, kind of su- surprised. And he introduced himself. She didn't recognize him. He said, can I come in and visit with you? So he comes in and his great uncle walks out. And they talk for a few minutes. And then Willie kind of pauses and he said, listen, um, I'll tell you why I'm here. He said, I was driving through town. He said, I don't know what you think about this, but I began to hear your mother. And I heard her praying. And I heard her praying, saying, Lord, I pray that all my children might be saved. And he said, "Uh, I believe God sent me here today. He said, "Do do you know God? Are you right with God? And this old man, he said, he's just talking. Tears began to run down his cheeks. He said, yes, ducked his head. Yes, I've heard my mama pray that. I've heard her say that. He said, well, you're right with God? He said, nope. Are you ready to be now? He said, yes. And he got that old man saved in his late 70s. He was the last one to fulfill his grandmother's prayers that were still working on the earth. Isn't that awesome? Listen, here's how we're going to close this morning. I want to pray for your family. If you have family members away from God this morning, maybe children, maybe grandchildren, and it's, it's heavy because you love God and there's nothing more important to you than your children, we're going to pray for them this morning. We're going to release our faith for them this morning. If you have any relative, uncle, aunt, uh, whatever, anybody blood-related in your family, we're going to pray for them. Also, I'm going to pray a family blessing on you. I know last week during praise and worship, I wasn't able to be here, but but Trudy was. And she prayed for women believing God for babies. Listen, I just want to agree my faith with you this morning. You're believing God for children. And maybe it looks impossible. But we're going to join our faith with you concerning the blessing of Deuteronomy chapter 6 on your family. So if that's you this morning, you'd like to pray for your family. Why don't you stand up on your feet, 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you this morning. We thank you this morning. I want you to close your eyes and just focus on who it is you're believing God for, what it is you're believing God for for your family. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Everybody close your eyes. There's somebody here this morning, I feel like I picked up in my spirit, that you are facing pretty severe financial uh, obstacle today. And uh, God wants you to know that He is going to lead you and guide you through that. He's going to take you through that. You lay that at the cross this morning. You leave that here. Who is that? Wave your hand at me. Nobody look around. Just wave your hand at me. Yep, see your hand. God wants you to know He's going to do something supernatural. And you let that go this morning. Leave it here. We're like making an altar where we are. Whatever that is this morning, you're believing God for. We're going to pray. Are you ready to pray this with me? I'm going to lead you. You say what I say. You pray what I pray. You ready? Here we go. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the blessing of God that you want to place on my family. Lord, I pray today for loved ones that are away from you. Lord, I speak their name right now. Now say their name. Say it out loud. Maybe it's more than one. Maybe it's a many. Whoever. Say, I speak their name. And I declare in the name of Jesus that you begin to reach out to them. I thank you for sending angels into their path. I thank you for directing them by the Holy Spirit. I thank you for sending workers into the harvest. And I claim today that my loved ones, now I want you to say this boldly, will be saved. Come on, say it real loud. Will be saved. I thank you for it. And I declare it. In Jesus' name, Lord, I declare that my family is blessed. And because we make a new commitment to this, as a family, but also as this church, the blessing of God will come upon us and lead us to our destiny. Lord, I believe it. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Look at me and smile. Hallelujah. Believe that. Let's worship God. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.